So first of all, a few clarifications. When we speak about India's spiritual tradition, there is not one tradition but many traditions like mighty rivers, they have joined the mighty ocean of life which we know today as Sanatan Dharma. So if we go into different traditions, we will see sometimes even extreme views. For example, some time back there was a video circulating in which um, someone who speak, spoke and wrote on behalf of Sanatana Dharma said, we belong to a land of sages where killing even an ant was considered as a despicable act. It is true, but we also belong to the land of heroes where the Mahabharata and Ramayana took place. So we look at the two extremes. So um, the issue when we try to resolve all these diversities and dif you know, different viewpoints, the issue is that it's not so much the action as the inner state of consciousness which is important. So the stress in Indian tradition is not so much on what is being done outside than on what one is inside. And I think that's what takes us to the fact of conscious parenting. Meaning thereby, we can do parenting, reading all the textbooks and putting all the tick mark in the right boxes, you know. I have had instances where people have come and said, you know, we did all the right things. All the checklist, right? I mean, I have such examples where a child was um, conceived and the mother isolated herself. When the child was conceived, she didn't send the child to school because she didn't want the child to be exposed to anything which could be negative. And she only taught the child Ramayana, Mahabharata and everything. It was a sad story that the child at 21 had schizophrenic breakdown. So this is also a fact. So what I mean thereby is that it's not like very often in medical practice we encounter patients who come and say, Sir, but this drug um, and this disease, I have read everything on Google. So I have to tell them if Google could tell all these things, then there is no need to go through the process of medicine. So Indian tradition cannot be adopted piecemeal by simply, let's say, reading a book or a story and just applying it. It is born out of the fire of yoga. And what is important is to grow this fire of yoga. Who were these sages who could, uh, you know, uh, stop the movement of day and night? There are stages, uh, stories like that. There are stories where Shri Krishna, when Parikshit is born, he is born dead. And he holds him in his hand and all that he says is, if I have led a life of purpose and truth and been true to what I have been, I have come for, then may this child live again. He doesn't say I am God and I am doing a miracle. He simply says that and there is so much power in those words, in those words of truth that the child comes alive and begins to cry. Now this is a possibility that even death could be conquered. Such were the sages, seers. Look at Savitri, again her birth. We have the whole epic Shobinda has written about her that King Ashwapati is engaging into a tapasya and Savitri is received as a gift of that tapasya. She is a gift of grace. So can such children be brought into existence? Can we become conscious? And this conscious, because we naturally when we think of conscious, we think of mentally conscious. So we think that if we have read, let's say the Mahabharata, the, Mah the Ramayana, the, some stories, the Vedas, the, like a scriptural reading, uh, thereby we can apply it. But it will be like Google medicine. 
what they are pointing out towards is the state of consciousness towards which we can ascend. Let's say how we reduce the word dharma normally in our understanding to morality. But look at the birth in the entire uh, Mahabharata lineage. The first child, the mighty Bharat, after whom some say that the land of Bharatvarsh is named. He is a child who is born out of wedlock in a way. There is no formal marriage. There is an inner marriage. So the inner truth was important and the, the sage doesn't reject the child. He says, oh, it's a sin. The sage says, go and claim your rightful portion. Why? Because it's not important that an outer ceremony took place or didn't take place. They loved each other and therefore in that state they gave themselves to each other. If I look at it, I feel it's not a tradition but an indication of the future. <laughs> Something that in the future will value our inner state much more than an external set of circumstances. Look at down the lineage. Many of the children, Vichitravirya, he can't have a child, he's died. And his brother can't have a child. So, who is invoked? Sage Vyas. Sage Vyas comes and there are children born to Amba, Ambika and Ambalika. Not to Amba, but Ambika and Ambalika. Amba has died. So, Ambika and Ambalika are in a state of terror and fear because Vyasa is all doing some kind of tapasya where he is having a very fierce look and they can't bear his tage. And what happens is when one gets closes the eyes and the child is blinded, and the other feels so much afraid that the child is born yellow, out of fear. But there is a Dasi, look at this very interesting story. There is a maidservant in the kingdom. And Vyasa has a third child through the maidservant. Now, all our ideas of, you know, high parentage, high caste, what is nobility, it is something inner. The child of this maidservant, he becomes Vidura, the Mahatma the dharmatma and the other two children pandu is of course a good guy but he has his own issues but dhritarashtra a child full of ambition so father seems to have become very secondary in many of these birth stories we see that mother's role is primary and one of the most famous being satyakam jabali story where uh, you know this little shit of a boy wants to study brahma jnana brahma vidya and the father and the guru asks that who is your father and he goes with the form in his hand that mom Guruji has asked who is my father and uh, mom says I don't know who your father is I know who your mother is that's for me for sure look at the um, profundity of the statement and he goes and says courageously she's again a maid, maid woman and out of that comes a boy who has such a straightforward, frank speech. He speaks truth. And when he says this, the sage says that, well, a woman who can say this is surely a woman of a very high order. And we have Satyakam himself becoming a great master in due course of time. We have such stories of, you know, they, they move us to the core. Another maidservant story, Prahlad. Prahlad is born to a maidservant and she also doesn't know who exactly is my child's father. But this boy, because he has grown up simply in the company of sages, because she used to serve, any devoted sage will come, uh, she would serve with devotion. And by that very fact, this child 
Prahlad has become a legion, a mediator between the human and the divine. Another very interesting story. This to break our ideas that you know it is uh, uh, by birth, by caste, by all this, you know, which we today attribute that you know it was so much. Later on, yes, there is a reason why people try to preserve the lineage that we'll come to a little later. But the state of consciousness was so important. We see Vibhishna and we see Prahlad. Both are children of a demoness. One is Vibhishna is born of Kaikashi, who has two other. It's a very interesting story, in fact, that when um, Kaikashi's um, husband, who is comes from the lineage of a sage, son of sage Pulastya, Vishravas, and he um, she wants to, you know, have a child. And the sage says, this is not an appropriate time. Why? Because it's evening time, it is time for meditation. So people also give great importance to uh, the time. The time is not about muhurt. It is so much about that each time of the day, there are certain forces that are active. And uh, if we can ride in those rhythms, it's so much better. So he says it's not a good time. But she is very ambitious. She wants a child who will become the, uh, you know, king of the demon whole um, kingdom and uh, you know it's undergoing a great degeneration so she prays uh, so she begets a child and look at it the sage tells him that this is not going to be a good child better destroy the child there is another story where there is also another thing about destroying a child when I had read it for the first time as a child I was very perplexed how can you say that but it's true and that is when Duryodhana is born when Duryodhana is born as a result of sage Vyasa's Vardhan. So, there are a lot of evil omens, you know. Great importance was given to everything that was happening at a time all around. So, Dhritarashtra calls for a meeting and he asks Vidur, Bhishma, all the wise men of that time, what should we do? And they all have uh, say in unison, um, destroy this child. Uh, you know, very shocking, no? Destroy the child. How can one life is to be respected? Yes, life is to be respected. Life of man is to be respected. But the life of humanity is to be respected much more. That was the principle. That is what we see in the Gita. Respect the life of man, but respect more the life of humanity. It's very challenging because these uh, Indian spirituality is very vast. It breaks all uh, mental formations that we make, um, distinctions that we make between draw a line and put one thing on this side and then on that side. Dharma is something so subtle. It's not a rule book guidance. And then we have these, again we see Demoness giving birth to Ravana. On the other hand, in a very beautiful moment, she gives birth to Bibhishna. Same mother, same father, but two children who are very different. Also, it's not just about, sometimes we feel that, you know, it is mother and father. I'll, real life stories I'll share. I have known people, both, um, you know, devotees and really doing everything right, very nice people and then a child is born whom they put into the best of, best possible school where, you know, um, all the traditional things are taught and everything. But the child turns out to be someone not at all to their liking, you know, is almost... Uh, um, what can be called, not wicked is maybe a harsh word, but something like that. So they asked me, ki, what could be the reason? 
Now, I didn't tell them what I felt intuitively. The intuitive feeling was that he has come to break these formations in your mind. And the child is born to help you grow further and be liberated from these ideas. Why do you look at the child with your eyes and ideas of what is really good? Even this is a kind of ambition which we don't realize. We have a child with the idea, it must be a good child. What is our idea of good? The child gets up in the morning, does a Suri Namaskar, <laughs> touches my feet and says, Oh Father, Thou art the greatest and best of all. Oh Mama! No! He may say, Dad, I, you know, you are being dishonest. Mama, don't be so angry. Today I see these children who... I, I know of at least two children, real stories where at age of five, one of the child told his mother, you dare not behave like this with me. So what are you going to do? I am going to complain to Dosmer, to Divine Mother. I don't think you are the authority. There is a greater authority. I'll go back to the world from where I came. Where do we fit these children into? Good children, bad children, evolving children, they have come to liberate us, evolvers. Many such things, you know. So first of all, we must clear our mind of all these uh, ideas which we carry habitually. They are patterns. I mean, I grew up with this idea that somebody who smokes and drinks is a horrible human being. My father would never, never, never. Somebody eats meat already is a degenerate. Pakka, Brahmin family, traditional family. Divine has his own plan. The, my roommate, who also happened to be one of the friends with whom I gelled most in FMC days, he used to drink, he used to smoke, he used to uh, eat meat and sometimes also have ganja. But I could swear by his honesty. I knew that this boy will never tell a lie. He was so honest to himself. And there was such a wonderful bonding simply because this man was honest to the core. And it was a lesson for me that, look, it's not these outer things, but something deep within intrinsic. The point that I am trying to arrive at is that while all these boxes can be ticked, but the important part is not this. What is the important part when we go to the Vedanta is that in all of us, there is something very beautiful shining at the core. In some it is covered with too much dust and darkness. In others, it is less covered. And to bring this part out is to become conscious and to engage with life in a conscious way. And even when we have children, this is our task to keep bringing out. It doesn't matter. It's not that the journey ends. It only begins. There is another very interesting part about this beautiful part which is coming, being born and, uh, again and again is that we, you know, there, is a, there was a conception some time back, now we don't have it, that the brain is like a tabula rasa. There is, you know, it's, it's like um, a blank slate. So a lot of importance was given to the genes and the environment. But in Indian tradition, if you really go, it's not like that. We are born, we are on an evolutionary journey. And one particular parentage is only one brief stage. Our journey has begun somewhere. We don't come as blank slates. And that's what we see again in the story of Ravana, Sishupal. Who are they? At, if we go trace back the story, it's very interesting. Outwardly, Kakasi, her ambition. Giving birth to a soul and headed, maha-egoistic man. 
But if we go inwardly, who are they? Ravana and Kumkarna. They are devotees of the Lord. Now this is mind-boggling. <laughs> they are devotees of the Lord. They fall and say, play he is playing with himself, with portions of himself. And why are they born like this in extreme, such like, you know, people want to keep Ravana away and, you know, burn him every year, though they nurture him inside. That's a different story that we celebrate Durga Puja, but inside we nurture Mahisasur. That's a different story altogether. Even in the Pandal, we will see, there will be a Durga Pandal, very nice. And next week, there will be all the shops where Mahisasur is having a gala time. Whether it's songs or Golgapad and everything. So that's another part, the hypocrisy which we must get rid of. But the important, interesting part is that their journey is not begun with one parent. It's not just that, you know, their journey has begun with a parentage. They are originally belong to the Lord. They are portions of the Lord who are his gatekeepers. And they have to go through this state of fall for a quick redemption. Now, when we look at these stories, we, we normally, when we speak about, you know, again, birth, we think of it's a point in time and where we and the child. But neither our story nor the child's story is beginning here. So, what is the role of parents in that case? I think it's important to understand if we can get rid of this idea that this is my child. The child is on a journey. And I am a transition point. I must do my best to the extent I can. It's not in my hands or even given to me to shape the child according to my ideas of what is best. And how best I can help in this process? By simply growing within into a wonderful human being who is bringing out his own beautiful part. That's the most important thing. When mother was asked what is most important for children, she said, just give them an atmosphere of love and peace. A drop of it. And she says, a drop of it. So this is uh, what happens in the real time because um, life is not a book. It's a real time event. So we may read a book and we may do everything that is right. And in every sphere of life, there was a man who came to me in his, uh, he was just 60, just 60 and had a massive heart attack. And he asked me this question that, tell me one thing, I didn't smoke, I didn't do this, I didn't do that, every day I used to do physical exercise, my diet was extremely controlled and everything. Why did I have a heart attack? There is no genetic loading also, nowadays we blame it on the genes. So I asked him that you were doing all these things, it's so nice and wonderful, why were you doing all these things? So obviously because I don't want to be sick. Now you see, there comes the little canker in the fruit. There is fear. I don't want to be sick. I don't want to be sick. I don't want to be sick. And what we are injecting in the cells is fear. Something similar happens when we talk about children. I don't want my, my child to be like this. I don't want my child to be like that. And sometimes in the process that he shouldn't make a mistake... What do we do? We have the perfection of the paralyzed child. The only child that never falls is a child who is paralyzed. But that's not what we want. Just yesterday I was reading something very interesting, conversations from the mother. So, you know, people had, human beings always believe they are wiser than the divine. So, the disciple asked mother, 
what kind of films are being shown in an ashram first of all films and then what kind of films so mother said oh you want only things which are very admirable to be shown then she says are we ready for that it's a long conversation not quoted verbatim but just the essence she says but life contains a side which is very difficult challenging brutal and it has its purpose in contact with it also we grow and then she says if you want to isolate the child from everything that is um you think will have this kind of impact then you will eventually have to isolate the child from everything and everyone and then she says what will be the result this is what has led to the monastic life ideal of a monastic life whereas there is another kind of approach where we embrace life we accept life as its own share of challenges it's not so important that the child doesn't you know someone has said very beautifully um, it happened to me also in a real example okay i'll give you that uh, it was raining and as i was coming down the stairs of the dining room i suddenly slipped and fell it was very slippery and my chappal it was lot of people were telling me that these chappals you know change the chappals but you have to learn sometimes the hard way so i <laughs> i got up and again i slipped and fell so somebody was observing very proudly comes and says oh great man has fallen i said <laughs> i don't know about greatness but this much i know that greatness is not about not falling greatness is about getting up each time you fall with that i just got up <laughs> so this brings its own you know this embracing life and facing its challenge in uh, punjabi there is a saying it says that girte hain sah sawar hi maidan e jang mein i'll repeat it in english बुजदिल वो क्या गिरे जो घुटनों के बल चले हु सफर्स फॉल्स हु इज ट्राइंग टू राइड ए वाइल्ड हॉर्स ऑन द बैटल फील्ड हु विल समबडी इज वॉकिंग ऑन द नीज फुल ऑफ फियर कावर्ड हाउ विल ई फॉल इज ऑलरेडी सो वी मस्ट अंडरस्टैंड दैट चिल्ड्रेन मस्ट एंगेज विद लाइफ दे मस्ट नॉट बी फियरफुल क्रीचर्स वेन आई लुक बैक इन टू द लाइफ ऑफ द एंशंट्स i am touched by this quality called courage that the courage courage to embrace life courage to take the challenges it doesn't matter it doesn't matter if you have lost a kingdom you can rise from scratch it doesn't matter if you have lost everything that you cherished you can rise from point zero if you have courage shobindu in one of his aphorism says love and courage are the only two indispensable virtues they can save the soul alive this is the virtue that children must receive courage when they face challenges they will face challenges we can't isolate them life is like that they will go to school and uh, there will be bullies there will be you know all kinds of people teacher will be unjust unfair sometimes it happens here also sometimes people come and say oh this teacher has been like this have i done a right choice by putting the child here i say perfect choice the child is getting trained about what real life is you can't have all the teachers who are goody goody will always be just and fair life is unkind and unjust and unfair 
So what is to be done? Your role is to teach the child how to deal with this unfairness or perceived unfairness, whatever it be, of life. How to deal with this brutality when this comes through our life. It's not that everybody will be nice and should be nice. It's, it just doesn't work out. I have seen children come out of, I mean, a lot of examples because I deal with teenagers and children, parents, all the while as um, whatever is called a psychiatrist, I don't know. I've forgotten all that, but anyways, <laughs> so counselor or whatever. <laughs> so I deal with it all the time that, you know, sometimes children, adolescents, they come and they had a very tough time. They were born of parents who were very violent, aggressive, quarrelsome, even hitting, everything. But this child turned out to be very sensitive, very, you know, open to... You know, could understand at 18 some profound ideas of divinity. But she had this grouse. I am talking of one child. There are quite a few similar histories. Why did I have to undergo all this? And I would tell her that, look, because you underwent all this, look at the end result. You are here and you are so beautifully open. She says, yes, that I acknowledge. <laughs> that I acknowledge. So behind all these circumstances of life, there is a wisdom that is working that far transcends our humanness, our ideas uh, and to that wisdom we must turn. If we want to bring a beautiful quality in a child, we should be the exemplar and you know, it's no point telling a child do this, don't do this uh, when we are ourselves indulging in it. And if we exercise a control over ourselves, mother used to give so many examples of teachers when teachers would say, oh, chill, is an unmanageable child. So mother would ask, do you have control over yourself? She would ask the teacher. Strange. <laughs> no teacher is asked like that. If you have control over yourself, you will spontaneously radiate this in the class. So ultimately we go back to the same point that if we really want this world to become better, our children to become better, our relationships to become better and everything in life to become better, we have to grow better. And this better is not just a human better. That's where Indian spiritual tradition takes us beyond because there is a uh, way of understanding life in a religious way. What is that? Human beings remain human. They are born evil. They can be a good guy and at the end may be transported to heaven. It's possible. Other is human beings are fundamentally divine in their essence. Creation is fundamentally divine. And therefore, we can become divine. I think it's a remarkable uh, change of outlook. So we never stop. There is no limit to becoming conscious. There is no limit to growing inwardly. Where is the limit? This experience, that realization, nothing. You see, these yogis, they mounted on every experience. They turned into a new realization. One story with which maybe we can invite questions rather than... Because when the box of stories opens, there is no end to it. So there is this Rishi Mandavya. Shobindo has immortalized him in one of his poems, The Meditations of Mandavya. So Rishi Mandavya is a great seer and one day while he is meditating, some thief who has stolen from Raja and palace and all the uh, military and police is after him. He drops the jewels by the side of the sage and runs away. He wants to escape. What to do? So they policemen come on the heels and they find that this sage is closing eyes and all the jewels are there and they catch him as the thief, take him and the king without even hearing 
who is this uh, man they say we have caught the thief he says okay have you recovered the jewels yes recovered the jewel evidence proved everything okay give him the standard punishment standard punishment is he should sleep on a bed of nails which is as good as saying he will die it's a decent way of saying like you know hitler when he put people in gas chamber said it's my compassion that i am not <laughs> making them die in worse ways so he is put on the bed of nails and um, next day when they come to open to pick up a dead body he is found sitting bolt upright and in deep meditation so now they are shocked they call the king and king calls and comes and realizes that he has made a mistake falls at his feet and says i am extremely sorry so the sage says sorry for what this is because i have punished you he says who are you to punish me i am the king who ordered he says ah don't give so much importance to yourself he says i want to find out why destiny did this to me now look at it this event which could have been you know sorted out there maybe you would have said king i curse you or king gave him some nice uh, instead of a hut made a palace and he would have been happy hereafter he doesn't do that that experience becomes a starting point for a new journey because there is something he doesn't know why does destiny operate like this we just accept blindly oh it's your destiny in some past life he says how can i go th- how can this happen so he goes and finds out apparently something done in some life which is irrelevant actually but then he says by my tapasya i change this kind of destiny it's not possible it's not fair it's not right so they, he goes into the plane of cosmic determinism and brings in something new so this is how we constantly advance and grow when we are just mentally aware not even fully mentally aware we try to govern our life with reason but what mother and shubindu tell us is that there is something else which is much deeper and there are dilemmas which reason cannot solve that's what we see in the gita so that's when this something deeper which should be brought out within us and in the children but we can help it only in others only if we have brought it out or at least we are working towards it so this is the crux and essence of indian thought that dive deep dig out your own deeper self climb high discover our own spiritual self and in that growing light reexamine the world and reevaluate it every ascent gives us a new vantage point and with that we must see and this constant ascension and this constant going within is the real process for it doesn't stop the day we stop and say that we are done that's that is the day we are dead and uh, in that process many things happen and as we do it we grow more and more conscious so there is no limit to this ascension this is how i understand conscious parenting or being conscious in the light of uh, um, to complete it indian spiritual tradition so you know this word spiritual tradition i find an oxymoron because the moment we turn spiritual into tradition it begins to petrify spirituality by its nature goes beyond tradition see many of these men of great spiritual consciousness were iconoclasts they went beyond they they were not happy with just this or that they went beyond 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 till you know they went into the infinite so perhaps i would say that becoming conscious in the light of indian spiritual seeking and that seeking has no end and that seeking has a beginning way back in the far past of which we are oblivious and if we connect the two it is then that we become fully conscious conscious of our origin 
and conscious of the mighty ocean towards which we are moving so i'll just close here because let there be some time for um comments reactions observations remarks questions whatever <laughs> answers <laughs> yes please there's just a real time experience of spiritual life <laughs> because there are no gray, black and white but shades of gray more oh, yeah, yes today today no like mobile there's no mobile yes so children are with mobile if we say something they are getting angry as you say like adolescent how we can uh, deal with that adolescent we know that they should use that because like it is our mistake also sometimes we give them and when we are available we say them to take out okay so <laughs> i i get the point uh, please sit ma'am uh, first of all um, You see, we use mobiles, so we can't tell our children not to use mobiles. It will sound a little strange. Have maybe I am not too sure that we really know because uh, I have seen so often grown-up people, very seemingly intelligent people, doctors, lawyers, professionals, who sometimes forward me messages which are outrightly not not factually wrong. all that you need is to apply little intelligence and go and little do a little search on it uh, but they forward and ask me questions what is this new vitamin b17 which has been discovered and i have to tell them there is nothing like that but <laughs> nevertheless that's that's okay so what's happening we must go beyond see any question when we want to find an answer we must come out the frame frame of me and my little experience with my little children that's you know take it to the larger level so what's happening today now mother and shiva bindu have said that a new consciousness has come which will take man from the rational to the intuitive level which means there is a whole mental range which we will cover and cover and reach there now this evolution had to take maybe a million years that's how when mother was asked it is going to take place in 1000 years what does it mean it's a jump time so when it is a jump time the mental evolution has been accelerated to an nth degree so look at it very impersonally not about right now good and bad usage we'll come to that that's a different aspect uses of technology anything that is new is used in a uh, you know is misused and then rightly used that's that's how every every technology has worked like that but through all these processes the way their brain is working i i have seen these children they they make many parents feel that they are just stupid you know with that quick thing so what is happening is the mind is rushing this information look at the speed at which the brain is being bombarded what happens when the brain is being bombarded so much is coming from every side that the mind has no choice but either to explode or to just collapse this is where it is going towards 
Now there are children in home. It is ready to explode because of all this bombardment. They, it's like filled, oversaturated, and I can give you real examples. And I have given this several times when a community called Orkut had come, which became infamous. Then now Facebook. Now Facebook is also is no more in the top ten. Now what is happening through all this? On one side, it is true that Facebook friend is not real friend. Everybody knows it. On the other side, it's also true that there is a widening of consciousness which is taking place. A friend need not be the person living next door to you. A friend need not be somebody who comes and does your errand. What is a Facebook friend? A Facebook friend is somebody with whom you share things, maybe a common idea and things like that. Now, this whole change which is taking place in the psyche is taking us to strange dimensions. You know, in Vedanta, we have heard that sab bhumi gopal ki. You know, I. I all land belongs to the divine now what has happened uh, today's time i was i came to know a few days back i don't know a few years back i don't know whether you have heard any of the parents or not what is couch surfing heard about it anyone yeah okay uh, yeah you are aware <laughs> many parents would be shocked what it is children have a group of couch surfers so when they go to a place let's say a child in um, odisha bhubaneswar decides to travel to paris and he is a couch surfer so he checks in and you know uh, he goes to totally unknown person who is part of that list and goes there and says i want to stay at your place he doesn't pay anything and he just stays there now there is an option that if they find that this child this boy girl is not you know is creating a chaos then they can say very nicely that go out and he can be labeled whatever but look at the whole thing in villages in olden time when people came to a house they were given shelter and food to eat this is what we have heard since time immemorial now they are becoming cross country travelers where they adopt the same standard equally when they come i have had in my own house because my friend uh, my uh, son of course is friend also so he uh, so and so is coming and going to stay now you know first time we don't know what's going to happen what's what's the scene like and then we realize such beautiful people it's a widening of consciousness and this was a girl from somewhere probably australia or the other side of the world who stayed such a nice girl stayed for few weeks and became like a family then we discovered that you know there is a change which is taking place in ways which we cannot fathom of course we as traditionalists won't like it what if the person smokes this was my first question <laughs> what if the person drinks this was the second question i have a house where you know we have tried to keep the atmosphere in such a way so then i was explained how it operates now slowly over a period of time what i am watching is that through this nature is finding unprecedented ways for evolution to be accelerated and the great vedantic formula that you know all beings are in their essence divine fundamentally one they are living in that consciousness not consciously but very unconsciously they are moving towards that i understand that there would be a certain group of uh, maybe children who will not be able to make it so i have used a term coined for it called washout generation and there is a reason uh, you see when um, change took place from monkey to man there were nine types of subspecies of human beings and they fought and de- nearly destroyed each other neanderthals and cro-magnon but ultimately today we have a humanity which has survived and we speaks of the ideal of human unity 
so there will be because of this accelerated evolution we will see chaos and confusion it is bound to happen because the standard yardsticks and measures of the mind are gone let me add gone 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 they have been broken by the time spirit and if we try to go back in that sense we have to capture the spirit but not the form and where is it mentioned in our own ancient scripture daksha head is cut who is daksha he is one of the prajapatis who governs the praja the all of us he is one of the leaders of um, this you know evolving mankind or whatever way we want to put it and his head is cut by shiva that whole story is fascinating but just this part so he is rejoined revived but which way a goat said looking behind so poor fellow moves two steps in front he thinks he is moving in front actually he is moving behind and when he thinks he is going behind actually he is moving in front so in today's times this confusion is because the old measures are gone and whatever way we may want the form is gone let me put it like that the spirit has this spirit is indestructible it cannot be destroyed so the spirit of the civilization is emerging stronger and more beautiful and wider so what should we do with these children my personal take is instead of focusing on don'ts whatsapp this that phone let us bring out the beauty of their life it is there even buried inside whatsapp let's discuss with them about all the beautiful things you know um they watch a movie let's talk about it see we hardly talk to the children this one of we are always telling them like guides um do this you're not studying you're not doing this enough that's a strange relation i mean that's not a parents relation so parents relation is something else parents Uh, flow with the child's life every experience of a child's life is an occasion the child is doing whatsapp let's go and sit with them what's it about just teach me they'll feel very happy they'll become friends then slowly we can get into their you know uh, that mode where they will begin to listen and uh, hear us and give their own view point today's children are far more subjective and independent so it is the yug dharma they don't follow a thing because somebody else said so it's gone we have to talk to them on ground of either reason they may still be unreasonable but at least they will be ready to discuss on grounds of reason after that they may say ah but i want to do it fair enough you know what has happened we have made the child a little more conscious we are instilling in the child this idea that you think and act doesn't matter you may act contrary to what you have thought but at least you become conscious which is better than acting simply because my grandfather did so because then what happens we have carbon copies and you know xeroxes which fade with time so that's all we have many things to be said in this issue but i have just touched one point yes yeah yes and don't be worried let me tell you there is um, uh, i mean because this last thing you know parents do get worried so um, i say that well if there is a divine in this world why are you worried <laughs> and if there is no divine in this world why are you worried 
what difference does it make if we become this or that if there is no divinity then anything anyways everything is nonsense and if there is a divine presence then it knows what it is doing and where it's leading us even sometimes mahabharata is there which can be very confounding to the human intelligence baffling to our moral sense and yet if mahabharata is a passage it is a passage and all of us have we not our chinna chinna little little mahabharatas in life yes but krishna is with us that's important yeah. um, i want to ask from again personal experience of working as a counselor like you told working with adolescents especially two major concerns that we face one is like towards the end career related things we can talk about later the most important thing is uh things related to romantic relationships so nowadays it's like very early that kind of thing okay. it's like a natural instinct the question is that from personal experience whether we have any right to tell them not to go into anything or not because anyway it's like okay great pragya right yeah <laughs> seeing you after a long time okay what was the first one it's Okay, please sit. I think the goal of life is growth of consciousness, and what you need, what we call as career and bigger build, build a big thing around it. Career is you need for Shadhir Yatra some money to look after yourself, and I think beyond it, all this thing is uh, personal feeling is it's a meaningless uh, entrapment. They need to sustain themselves because you need money for bodily life and some basic basic comforts. But beyond it, they must uh, have the urge to grow. So it's perfectly fine. And today's children give up one job, take up another. They explore, and I think it, it's wonderful to explore. And I would rather uh, feel happy if a child is exploring rather than if a child is settled. Settled children means uh, you know whatever is settled is now beginning to decline. <laughs> uh, they should not be settled. And I do believe in that sense that. what steve jobs said stay hungry stay foolish uh, i would add stay unsettled uh, be settled only in the one anything short of that is not worth settling in into <laughs> it's good to remain little bit you know uh, like a seeker romantic relationships it's not just about instinct see it's a journey of love this is a whole passage in savitri uh, all over earth starts from the mud and ends in the sky and love that was once an animal's wants then a sweet madness in the rapturous heart then an ardent comradeship in the mind see it's a evolution of uh, love so the uh, the blossoming of love it first starts it touches the body and the senses it's natural that's how it will begin so if we say don't then it means you have washed the baby with the bath water so i have seen children you know and they suffer because of this energy has never come out because we never gave it any importance rather we gave it a contrary importance it's bad the only thing bad that you know i grew up in a village if a boy and a girl held hands it was bad even husband and wife were not supposed to hold hands so it was very strange so we never knew what really this energy of love is it's energy of love what is to be done is instead of suppressing it to train it to teach it to channelize it to refine it to uplift it to divine and sublime levels so when a child is in a romantic relationship teach him to respect the girl whom he loves to care for her because you know that's how it should be and if he has seen parents care for each other he will do spontaneously if it's a girl teach her that there are some things which can be dangerous and she should be aware of that 
and teach him what really love is about teach them what love is about love is not just about you know having a blush in the cheek and you know a thrill in the hand yes that is there why not but that's not the beginning and end of love it's a great journey on which they are embarking okay they will make mistakes whoever ever learned without making mistakes so i have this question i ask all the parent you reached here without making a single mistake were you always mr right no we all made our share of mistakes it's part of the learning actually they are not mistakes they are learning process so they will also make their own mistakes and it's very good to have a very frank relation because see when we start saying you know um, don't don't then what children do they learn hypocrisy so typical example of old times people will children will smoke cigarette but the moment they saw an elder they put the hand behind and threw it on the ground we don't want that and today's children also don't want that so let them be frank and discuss with us and if they think we can hear them out without all these uh, preconceived no- notions then they will come and share then we have a chance of telling them that look its love is beautiful romance is a side of life and let it blossom into something deeper and more beautiful otherwise they will gather information from all the wrong sources from their friends from the net probably get into pornography and who knows what because they don't understand how to handle this energy so we have to teach them how to handle this energy in better and better ways start with the physical all right and with the spiritual or sometimes start with the spiritual fulfill it even physically even that is known in indian thought materially okay does it answer yeah don't stop but don't just turn a blind eye engage with them discuss with them share with them explain how everything can be lifted up to something more beautiful basically a constant beautification of life also right and wrong uh, can stem from two sources now spiritual consciousness is beyond it but at a human level we need something like right and wrong it can stem from a purely arbitrary mental choice this is right this is wrong or it can come from the sense of beautiful i think the basis of ethics should be the sense of beautiful even physical relation can be very crude or it can stem from the sense of beautiful and i think that's what we see in, in our indian tradition even kama sutra if you really look at it that even physical relation can be beautiful and it should be beautiful why not so you know because that's a part of human life and not um, everybody is a yogi practicing strict brahmacharya so for human life if you have something do it with the sense of beauty dignity respect for each other not like you know we'll not talk about it not discuss about it and i think that's a much better way let it be an act of love and not just an act of pleasure seeking and desire that's that much we can say in psychiatry we were taught you know when um uh, that's one part which i liked about when when i was reading that sex is not about physical relation sex is about meeting of two personalities and it makes it so much more complete and wholesome yes please Yes, doctor. Thank you so much because your words are like music in my ears, and so much wisdom. Thank you for a wonderful talk. Now, second, I would like to underline one part uh, of uh, your talk, which was uh, I found very, very important. Is all these things that so many people face when they don't want to be sick, they don't want to have a wrong shot, they don't want this, they don't want that, they don't want the other. What is uh, happening is that the subconscious mind, as we all have one. 
doesn't know the word no, that he doesn't know negation. So whenever you are concentrating on what you don't want, you're actually busy <laughs> imagining it. Absolutely. And your imagination being our wife, as I said this morning, this is how we create what we don't want. Yes. So I just wanted to have this I'm point. so glad you made this point so prominently. Please, please be seated, sir. Yes, it needs to be emphasized again and again that life should not be a list of don't wants. It should be a list of what I want to be. Let's not focus on what we don't want to be. Let's focus on what we want to be. And I think that will make the journey so much easier and smoother and complete. Okay. Thank you so much.